verse of Luke 11, and we're going to read just that one verse. Praise God. It's been so long since I've preached behind the pulpit that if I appear to be rusty, it's because I am. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I'm quite excited about it. Praise God. Luke 11, this has to do with the Lord's Prayer. We're just going to read the introductory Scripture to this. Luke 11, 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. And you may be seated and I want to speak on the subject of prayer. That's all there is to the title. It's just prayer. Today is National Day of Prayer, as you are well aware of, I'm sure. A lot of media coverage. Today's Wisconsin State Journal has an article about the National Day of Prayer. It says, as always, prayer at heart of controversy. Uh, I just don't understand people who don't believe in God and don't believe in prayer, how they think it's going to hurt. <laughs> you know, you've heard me make the statement about about atheism. I, I just can't understand someone spending all their life fighting something that they claim does not even exist. Nevertheless. Uh, we want to spend some time talking about prayer, and I'm going to take a little bit different approach. I'm just going to cover some uh, things at random about prayer. No real, uh, what should I say, structured message, but something that I feel that that uh, we need to take a look at. Uh, according to the article, it speaks of the, the National Day of, of Prayer. It says, it's a practice rich in history and now controversy. The First Continental Congress declared a day of prayer for the colonies in 1775. Abraham Lincoln signed a proclamation setting a date of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer in the midst of the Civil War in 1863. And in 1952, Congress unanimously passed a joint resolution signed by President Harry Truman establishing a day of prayer as a federal law. Congress in 1988 officially set the day as the first Thursday in May. President Clinton signed a proclamation for this year's day and says in part, we should celebrate this day in the tradition of our founders who believe that God governs in the affairs of men and women. Of course, the article goes on to say, but not all Americans agree. You know, uh, prayer was taken out of the school, our public schools back in, what was it, 1967, wasn't it? Something like that. You know, several hands are raised. Evidently, several people know. Brother Hicks, 1962. All right. You know, the, the thing about it, I found uh, Pentecostals get all upset about uh, the public concerning prayer, but Pentecostals 
don't really pray like they think that everybody else needs to pray. <laughs> and I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to take a real deep swing at anybody tonight. <clears throat> we're going to be we're going to be doing some praying, but you, you follow what I'm saying? That uh, I, I found this out about Pentecostals that they can. They they can complain and bellyache about everything under the burning sun, and when it comes down to doing it, they can't discipline themselves to do it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you don't really push for a prayer meeting, it's hard to get a big crowd. Now, if you're playing softball, if you're having pig roast, <clears throat> you know, it's a different story. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. I have to laugh so the swing is not so so heavy. <laughs> now, you know, prayer is the key to staying spiritual. Now, that just simply means then, if if you have a problem praying, you know, in all honesty, you have a problem being spiritual. Now, there's some things I want to point out that I think that that is that's very important. See, prayer builds character. Uh, we we just let me just make a blanket statement here to a lot of you who are not in our closed session Sunday night. You will not even know what we're talking about, so there's no need even asking because I don't think anybody would tell you. But uh, you see, when we have a good number of preachers that are lined up on our schedule to be preaching here in the next month or two our own men, and I would hope and pray that all of our men realize that you cannot design a message from the Scripture without dealing with holiness and morality and purity and such. And what we have to do is just put any personal or maybe I should say any situation behind us that we consider to be uh, very personal and we just have to keep on preaching and teaching what we've always preached and taught. And hopefully people will be big enough to understand that we're not taking any swing at anybody. Now, I hope you understand that. That this, this is just, we just have to do this. And, and I know when I started putting this together, this came to my mind and I, I made, I purposed that I was going to make a statement about this. But you see, prayer builds character. Now, there are a few things that we have to understand about uh, church growth. Uh, one is that church growth, for the most part, uh, takes place as a result of the concepts that individuals are taught and the concepts that they practice. Uh, now, character is something that that comes to you as a result of your communication with God and God's Word. Now, you can be impeccable in character and still not have a church that grows because some of the growth concepts you haven't really locked in on. Now, the important thing to remember is that we have seen many, many great churches as far as attendance and growth in which they are no longer in existence today simply because that their concepts 
were so great, and they grew, but their character was not sufficient to support their success. Now, this happens to a whole lot of uh, young men going in the ministry. I went to Bible school with a couple of men that, that were just great men as far as I knew. But they just, and, and they prayed a lot. Now, I, I, I'm going to cover some things about prayer that I think that are extremely important. They did pray a lot. But when I say prayer builds character, I'm talking about balanced praying. There is a difference in praying and having a balanced prayer. Now, these individuals were greatly blessed of God. They were greatly anointed. Uh, I use the word blessed and anointed. Maybe I should say they were greatly anointed by God. And people would pat them on the back and they had great success. They're no longer living for God. Sister Grant and I have just... About a month ago or so, we were going down the line of, of people that, you know, that we were associated with the Bible school and such that were just, you know, most likely to succeed type preachers that uh, are no longer even claiming to have a walk with God. I went to Bible school with a young man, a young man that was in a church in Longview, Texas, a fine young man. I just really loved this man. Uh, when my son Roy was recently in Texas, and he, Roy went over to work on my nephew. My nephew was just married. So he went over to work on his house doing some plumbing, and this drywall guy comes in, a great big drywall guy. And, and Roy says, you know, said uh, uh, this guy was just big, huge guy. He walks in there, you know, and he, he just... Uh, uh, he said, oh, so you're Roy Grant. You know, he's got this Texas drawl, you know. He said, well, someone told me you were coming down here. He said, I'm telling you, your dad and I used to be the best of buddies. And uh, he said, I'm telling you, we went to Bible school together. He's just reminiscing, telling all this. And so Roy asked him, said, well, what is your name? He said, well, you don't remember me, I'm sure, but I remember you. He said, my name is Chuck Slocum. Chuck at one time was an on-fire Christian, really on fire. But there's one thing about some of these men that I noticed, that they preached. They'd preach a lot of things. they really get anointed, but they there, there was a little bit of a problem with personal discipline. Now, you remember me talking about the fear of God. If I had to go and teach or if I was given the opportunity to go and teach the fear of God, where I would start, I would start with personal discipline. Now, let me, let me just point out something. There is a vast difference between being blessed of God and anointed of God. And we usually judge things by what we see with our eyes and what we hear, hear with our ears. But uh, God looks into the heart well-balanced praying conditions the heart, and you become spiritual as a result of this. Now, you can stand up and, and preach and be anointed, or you can teach a Bible study and really be anointed. It's, it's almost like, you know, God honors His Word, 
and anoint you for the sake of the lost person that you deal with. But there's a difference in being anointed and being blessed. See, Jacob was an anointed man, but Joseph was a blessed man. He was blessed simply because he had communion with God and he had it deep down inside of his heart. So he was, he was really anointed, but he was blessed also. Now, you cannot backslide if you pray properly. Did you hear me? I said you cannot backslide if you pray properly. You cannot. Because if you pray properly, there will indeed be, be character established in your heart. Uh, character is, is, is what you are. Uh, and it, it, will, it will be established in your heart, so there's a growing process that, that takes place. Now listen to this. And besides this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you pray properly... You will never backslide. You can't. Because prayer is your connection to God. It's your communion with God. And if you're constantly in contact with God, what can destroy you? What can take you away? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's in the book. Now, I have not been feeling the most encouraged lately. Uh, I am a person that very rarely ever gets down. Brother Holly stood here and preached Sunday morning, and I said amen to everything he preached. He came back and he preached uh, well Sunday morning before last, and he came back and preached Sunday morning, and he preached Sunday night, and I said amen. You know, I went in the doctor. I was having such pain. I went in the doctor, and the doctor did not give me a good report. He wants me to have my ankle fused, which simply means in a cast for three months and on crutches. And I just I did not go in for the referral. To see the other doctor, I was in yesterday. They told me that we have to remake the AFO brace that you have. We're going to have to put metal in it. Uh, it might mean getting more shoes or different shoes. Uh, we don't know. You know, and I just feel like I'm falling apart. You know. It's just, you know, it has not been an encouraging thing. Plus a lot of other things that I've had to deal with. But, you know, the, the whole situation is that... 
what what you have to do when you're when you have a situation like this, you you know I can't I just can't be running back and forth and I've got various people doing hospital calls for me and and you know and people said brother Grant pray for me and here I am just saying oh my, you know. You may say are you struggling? You better believe I am. You feel like giving up? Absolutely not. I mean where where would I go? What would I do? You know, there's no other place to go. I mean, if I gave up on God, would my leg get any better? No. Would I have less pain? No. Is God responsible for all this that's happening inside of my body? Absolutely not. This came about as a result of sin in the world. And I must be smart enough, according to the Scripture, to accept it. Now, that doesn't mean I accept this as a permanent condition and, and Jesus doesn't have the ability to heal me. But I tell you what, I have sought God, I have prayed, I have done everything I know to do, but I still believe that though God slay me, yet shall I trust Him. i tell you one thing that's done. It's given me a whole lot of time for prayer. Now, we can pray in the Spirit, and we can pray in the flesh. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity. And, 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 and charity is love, and love is, is one of the character traits of God. The fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit is the character of God, found in Galatians 5. See, Now, we have the power gifts, and people really like the power gifts. But you see, the power gifts, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy, and a word of knowledge, and wisdom, healing, and miracles, so forth. So all these should be operated by people who have character, the character of God. This is the reason why, sandwiched in between 1 Corinthians 12, where they are described, and 1 Corinthians 14, where they are regulated, is the love chapter of the Bible. And spiritual gifts, for the most part, are for the building up of the kingdom, for the edification of the kingdom. If you really want to build up the kingdom, make sure that when you're using with these powerful gifts, that your motive is right. That everything is right? You heard me make the statement a lot too long ago behind the pulpit because I felt someone was twisting my arm to do something simply to, to strike at a particular situation. And, and I didn't think it was right for us to do this. I made this statement, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Well, we don't want to lose. You never lose. When you follow the commandments of God, you cannot lose. But you can put a notch in your gun barrel and develop an attitude in which you lose constantly. Now, recently, uh, I uh, I say recently, some time ago I did talk about some of the 
the old, old songs. You know, we have a good number of people leading uh, in our songs here. I like to see a variety of different kind of songs, some slow devotional type songs. I, I found this out. I, I think, uh, especially young people, okay, young people, uh, they like to get involved in the warfare aspect of Christianity. So, for the most part, when young people are singing, they, they sing these, you know, we are able to go up and take the country, you know. <clears throat> you know that chorus? How many of you know that? To possess the land from Jordan to the sea, though the giants may be there, our way to hinder, God is able to give the victory. Some of you shaking your head like, I don't know what he's talking about. <clears throat> you know, let me just point out something, though. Our, our youth department has changed the name at headquarters from Pentecostal Conquerors to Pentecostal or Youth Ministries. We've done it here in the state. And I like that because what happens, the word conqueror leads a lot of our young people to believe that the sum total of their relationship with God is fighting. Fighting the devil. Now, you never thought you'd hear me say that, did you? That's not the sum total of your relationship with God. And what I like about some of the old, old songs, Amazing Grace, for an example, is that it enhances relationship. Now, I want to point out something here. I do not want you to take this wrong. Please. Now, I, I read this. I'm supporting this book, okay? And we, we even ordered how many more of these, Sister Grant? Ten more of them. If you don't have it, get it. Okay? Now, this book is on prayer, but if you notice the name, it says Spiritual Warfare. Now, I agree with this book. But you've got to understand one thing. Let me point out one thing. That all of prayer is not warfare. Now, see, this, and, and, and people need to understand that. And you remember when we had our special Monday night prayer meeting in which I addressed seeking God? When we prepare our hearts for a deep, relationship with God. You know, there, there's just some, some, some things that, you know, like we, we blame the devil for everything. And we, we never, you know, it, it, it's, it's just always God or the devil. And, and that's not true. You fit in there someplace. You know, the thing about it is, you can cast out devils all you want to, but there is a part of life that you don't cast out, and that is human flesh. And that's what the epistles were all about. You, you follow what I'm saying? So, please understand. I, I want everybody to understand. Buy this book, but please understand that all of prayer is not warfare. Okay? It's not warfare. And, and the reason why this is so important is because, you see, God is many things to us. And we are many things to Him. 
And when you read in the Scripture, you'll find things like, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Now when we think of God being the vine, we're the branches. Branches, we think of seeking God for our very existence, for our life. Because we draw it from Him. We think of, of God and, and humanity. Because that little parable, that little story says, you cannot live within yourself. In other words, if you're cut off, you're going to die. So, when, when we go into a prayer meeting, like in, let's say, pre-service prayer, or even Friday night prayer, you have to understand that, that there are many people praying on different levels. Now, if you detect someone who is extremely discouraged, and they're not on the same level of you, and if you're praying a victorious prayer of, of, of faith and, and, and victory, it's all right to go lay hands on them. But, but for the most part, okay, for the most part, listen to me, uh, you should be laying hands on people who are somewhere on the same plane of you. Otherwise, it's distracting. You remember, was it last Sunday night I, I talked about, you know, even in a church service. Now, I believe in one mind and one accord. But I don't find in the Bible that every time people got together, they were all in one mind and one accord. Now, why? Because, you see, when we come in here, because we've been rubbing shoulders with life, we're all on different levels. And I talked about the home when... You know, 7 o'clock in the morning, the alarm clock goes off. 7.30, what's taking place? Some people are praying. Some are in the shower. Some are in the kitchen cooking a meal. Some are sitting down eating the meal. Some are in the, in the bathroom getting dressed. Maybe somebody's still in bed. And you will find that that's also true when we gather in the house of God. This is the reason why that variety in the house of God is so important. Because you may have someone that's getting much needed rest. You may have someone else that's, that's in the shower, so to speak, being cleansed by the blood. Maybe someone is sitting at the table and they're eating the precious manna that comes from heaven. Maybe someone is on their knees someplace communing with God or in deep communion with God. And that's something we need to understand. Now, there are times in which I think the minister should call everybody's attention and say, forget about your personal need. Forget about the level that you're on. And and let's all get in one frame right now with our mind on one thing to see one thing accomplished. That's what happened in the upper room. Because it was that time in which God wanted to do the same thing for everybody. But he's not always wanting to do the same thing for everybody. But he wanted to give everybody the Holy Ghost at the same time on the day of Pentecost. So they had to be in one mind and one accord. But you see, we have, we have different relationships going with God. Um, there are times in which you re- repent. And, and so you have a, you, you have a, a sinner 
And, and, you know, I'm using this word sinner, hoping that you understand what I'm talking about. A sinner-savior relationship. Now, just because you sin, we don't classify you into, as a, a, a sinner, so to speak. But because that, that you know, you're cleansing yourself, you, you, you definitely enter into that relationship. Just like a, a man who walks raw off the street that doesn't even know God. You're asking for cleansing and such. And then there are times in which we just sit down and it's just friend to friend. Now, what I find that some people read a few scriptures in the Bible, and what they'll do, they'll say, every time you relate to God, it's this way. Well, it may be this way one time and this way another time. Am I making sense in all this? You follow what I'm saying? This is something that's extremely important. When I say you cannot and will not backslide if you pray properly. But your relationship with God is so varied. It's just like, you know, when you, when you consider, you know, your position in life. I am a, I am a, a minister. I am a teacher. I am a, a male. Uh, I am a husband. I am a, a grandfather. You know, I'm a father. You know, I, 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 I'm a lot of different things. And so are you. And you may be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And because that we also have these different uh, levels and varieties of, of interests and, and such in our own life. There, there are times in which God deals with us and talks with us on, on a level that maybe uh, He's not talking to somebody else on. And so, as a friend, there are times in which I, I just... Lately, I've, li- I've liked this business of being a friend. Well, the Hollis talked about it. I just really like it. I like to just, just, just go and sit down. Just in the Lord, you sit right here. I need to talk with you. You've got to be my friend. <clears throat> so we we talk as a friend, uh, but then there are there are also you know the Bible talks about that 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 he, he is the, the the groom and we're the bride. Now that's that's different, isn't it? That's that's talking about romance and love. And there's a whole lot of difference between uh, a, a captain and a warrior, because we have that relationship too. Let's say all of a sudden, let's see who's getting married next in the church. Uh, All of a sudden, John Brunker's up here standing by me, and Melissa comes in. He's expecting this nice gown and everything. And he looks around. She's got shining armor on. And she's got this long spear. And when the wedding march is played, she says, Charge! And she runs right down the center aisle with this, scattering spectators and friends and minister and even John. John goes hiding in the back room that he came out of and says, 
Is everything all right, Melissa? Well, I read in the Bible, you know. I just might inform John that those <laughs> warfare days do occur, okay? <laughs> but here's the sweet note. <laughs> That with every fuss, you should always make up. I mean, it's not warfare all the time, you know. It's not warfare with the Lord all the time. It really isn't. It's just simply not warfare. We petition the Lord as our provider. When I think of this, I think of a, of a shepherd and the sheep, that, that it is the primary responsibility of the shepherd to take care of the sheep. The sheep just can't go out and build their own fence and plant their own grass and say, oh, we're going to have a good crop here and we're going to... That's not the way it goes. The shepherd takes care of all that. Isn't that true? Sure. So, God is so many... Many things to us. And and we have to understand that when we're praying, and I'm not going to get into a lot of mechanics of prayer, that, 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 uh, that the thing that God has the ability to do, He has the ability to always meet you on the level that you're on. Now, you must understand, however, that if you are in a period of discouragement... That you're not to stay on that level. See? Now, what I want to do, I want to just talk about this, this business of discipline and power and the flesh and the devil and such. You know, I like to think of this like a, a car. Let's say we got a car. I, you've heard people talk about, I've heard people testify about it. I had to go by the filling station and fill up with fuel. Boy, have you noticed how high gasoline is? It's a big price at the pumps nowadays. <clears throat> so I like to think of a car. You know, it's a you, you go up and it says, "Stop your engine, kill your engine while you're filling up." So you kill your engine, you fill up. We always say, "Well, the fuel is like the Holy Ghost." Great, I agree with that. We need that fuel, don't we? High octane stuff. Telling you. None of that cheap stuff. Give me the best there is. High octane stuff. So, you put it in there. But when you get in, as much as that fuel is important is important to the car, you have to understand that that's not the only thing that's important to that car. Did, did you know that you need a battery to start that thing? And I like to think of the, of the battery as as just personal discipline. You know what is wrong for the most part with Americans when we talk about discipline? They think of discipline as being work. W-R-K. Now, I, I'm going to give you something that's really going to shock you. I've heard people say, boy, I'd sure like to go to heaven. Just think, there won't be any work. 
up in heaven. Could, could I enlighten you on something? Did you know before Adam and Eve sinned and before the world was cursed that their job description was to dress and keep the garden? That work alone was not the consequences of sin? But somehow we always look at discipline and work, you know, as just being kind of these Siamese twins that you can't separate. Discipline is hard, you know. Well, that depends on the level of character that you have. You know that? And see, I like to think of, I like to think of it like this, that I don't know much about batteries. I know that big batteries doesn't always mean big power. I know that, but, but some of them have so many cranking bolts for so long. Now, some of you mechanics, you probably know all about that. But it seems like some batteries don't have a problem starting the engine, and some do. You ever notice that? So a person who is weak-willed, and they do not have much personal discipline, praying is a chore. I mean, getting this thing started and getting it on the road is just one big job. We found this out in the Christian school. You can reverse the psychology on these little kids. You know what you'll say? Let me just give you... If you get so many demerits, you've got to clean the kitchen. Or you can go in and say, you know what? The first person to complete their goals today, they get to clean the kitchen. Oh, we get to clean the kitchen. We got Christian duty today. They'll work their little hearts out to get in the kitchen to clean it. We get to go in the kitchen. We get to go in the kitchen. I mean, it doesn't, you know, you know, you know what I, I think, you know, listen to me. You know the reason why that, that America has so many bums? Because they look at work as some kind of an aversion to health. It's going to kill me. Hey, we're made strong like mules. We're meant to work. God made us to work before He cursed the world. Oh, admittedly, it was to be worse when things go wrong. But see, that's the way we look at it. So, what we do when we say, you must discipline yourself for prayer, they say, oh, discipline, oh, work, oh, terrible. I mean, wouldn't it be better if we change our mindset about this to say, hey, you know, I get to go in the presence of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my work finished early so I can go in to be with God. I'm going to clean the kitchen today. I get to do this. You know, as a preacher, I've experienced this. You know, you just preach your heart out about the Holy Ghost and, and about how good God is. And somebody comes up and says, you mean I got to get the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? I have to have it? Say, have to have it. You get. You 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 know it. It is it is your it is your prerogative. You can have the Holy Ghost. Don't look at it so negatively. 
quench, you can come right up to the altar and get heaven's best. Not the Holy Ghost. But the battery represents personal discipline. And, and, and then, 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 then we have the starter. And, and the battery does what? It simply turns that starter over. And I think of the starter and the alternator. You know, I, I had a, um, a lawn tractor, and the starter and alternator were all in, all in one. Some of you have seen those. In other words, the starter is also the alternator. So when you start it, it just continues turning it charges the battery back. Oh, they do. Several of you are looking kind of funny. They do make that. <clears throat> Don Moran has a wheel horse, and his is that way. Now, now listen to me. You see, the starter is prayer. It takes the personal discipline of the battery to turn the crank or the starter, which is prayer, that's going to get this fuel going in my life that's going to create all this horsepower to pull the load of life. But you know what you can do? You can come down to the altar and you just get your tank just full. I mean, running over. And you go home and shut the engine off and that, that, that car will just sit there all week long and won't even run. Then, then all of a sudden, you know, problems come and troubles come. You say, what in the world's wrong? My Holy Ghost is not working. You know, another thing you could do, you can take the battery out of your car. And you can push it and you can actually run that, that car without that battery. Oh, I've done that before. I've taken, listen, you name it, I've done it. <laughs> You know, the only problem is if you slow down real slow where the alternator doesn't recharge the battery. See, that's what prayer does. It's kind of a cycle. Prayer gives you more discipline. So there's a, there's a charge back to that battery. So what happens is you can just be going lickety-split down the road and you can be waving at everybody. And all of a sudden you let your foot off of the accelerator and, and where the alternator slows down some and you come in to stop down here to stop sign and all of a sudden it goes dead. Ooh, wonder why it went dead. It was running so good. Well, see, we have periods of time too in, in which we just have to kick back into discipline. But you know, the thing about it is we were never meant to run purely on discipline. But on the Holy Ghost. But there is a time in which discipline plays a very important part. And this is the reason why that down life's road you see all these cars that are just sitting on the side of the road. Batteries are down, no discipline. And, and they either, either, either need a jump start or need somebody to push them or sometimes a tow truck. You, know, you could get out and push your car every place you go. And that's that's the way it is with the transgressor, you know. He's out pushing all the time. He ought to be riding. I say he ought to be riding. Now, <clears throat> if it's true then that a praying person cannot and will not backslide, now I'm going to make this statement. 
a praying church can not be stopped. <clears throat> can't be. I mean, it can't be. <clears throat> now, if you don't pray, your whole life will fall apart. Because prayer seems to be the glue that kind of holds all the pieces together. Now, if you pray, guess what happens? It sticks us together, doesn't it? You know, you know, I don't know much about biology. You know, I had a, a biology teacher that was a football coach, and he was more interested in football than he was in biology. I remember when I was in school, a bunch of the girls. The girls always picked on me, see? They said... Now, what we want you to do, Coach Adams said, when Coach Adams gets in here, because if you ask him the right question, he'd spend all class explaining it. So, <laughs> what happened was, <laughs> I don't even recall now what the deal was, but <clears throat> we were talking about like eating an apple with a worm in it. And I said, now, what would happen, Coach Adams? Now, this, this was a, a rigged question that the girls made me, put me up to, okay? The girls made me do this. I said, now, what would happen if I was eating an apple and all of a sudden there was a worm and I saw it and I, went, <clears throat> and I, I pulled it down my windpipe and it got in my lungs. And he ate a hole in my lungs. And my lungs just collapsed. He says, well, now, John, he says, you know. He goes in to explain that he's got to put football in. Your lungs are not like a football bladder, see? Now, your skin... It's not real what holds your body together. That may help if you, you know, pull your skin off of it. Don't don't dry it. <laughs> At least not till we get home. <laughs> but I mean, your body's not just going to fall apart. I mean, if there's something that's sticking all these little cells together, some kind of something. What's sticking them together? Does anybody know? Maybe maybe Brother Kurt. He's 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 claiming to be a medical doctor. But, but you know how what I found out about these doctors? If these doctors tell you, you still don't know. It doesn't make any difference. There he is. So, you still don't know after they tell you. So. But I do know this. If a lack of prayer will cause your spiritual life to fall apart, prayer is that glue that holds it all together. You cannot stop a praying church. Praise God. Now what we want to do, and I, I'm, I'm just not going to go, uh, well I was going to say any further, but maybe I should change it to say much further. <clears throat> we have some prayer requests. As much as this has been called a National Day of Prayer, what I want to call on you to do after I read 
a scripture in your presence. I want you to just bow your heads, and I want you to pray uh, first for our president. I want you to pray for the vice president. Uh, I know that there's a, you know, this is the election year. You, you know, you know one thing about praying intercessory prayer. I, I mean, even if you pray intercessory prayer for your enemies, people that don't like you, you know, it's, it is very difficult to pray an intercessory prayer for somebody and then not like them. Do you know that? So what is, somebody asked me, uh, what is the key to being able to have faith and pray for someone that you don't particularly like? I said, you pray intercessory prayers. What is the key to loving your enemy? You pray intercessory prayers. That's the key. That is the key. So I want you to pray for the president, the vice president, and then, of course, pray for our, our Senate and pray for our Congress. And then I want you to pray for our governor and uh, the mayor of our city. Uh, we're going to pray for these, and then we're going to give you some special requests for prayer. I like little summaries. You know, uh, some books have summaries, and I, I get a lot out of these. Like the book of Ecclesiastes says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Here's a summary I really like. Just listen to it. Micah 6, verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before thy God. Now let me tell you. You see, what happens if you don't pray complete prayers, and if all your prayers are just victorious warrior type prayers, you know what will happen to you? After a while, you'll feel like that you're losing every battle you're involved in. Unless you're so aggressive that you just... Knock people down. You follow what I'm saying? But if we pray well-balanced prayers where we seek God, and God is our friend at times, and He's our provider at times. He is the captain, and, and, and we're going to pull down strongholds. Oh, yes, we are. But let me tell you something. Every sinner, regardless of what you might say, every sinner is not one in the kingdom of God by an aggressive approach. But sometimes the man needs a lot of love and a lot of compassion and a lot of help. Praise God. If you'll just lean forward and... Oh, God of heaven. Savior, we pray for our great country. This is election year, and we do believe, God, that it is our primary responsibility to elect officials that, for the most part, endorse our own beliefs. And we're asking, God, that in this upcoming election that you have your way. But, Lord Jesus, right now we do have a president, and we're praying for our President Bill Clinton, and we're asking that somehow, God, you would touch his heart, let him find divine favor with you, 
Lord Jesus. He needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And I pray, God, that somehow you'd put a hunger in his heart for this. I pray, O God of heaven, let the glory of the Holy Ghost come and rest upon him. And may he project, Lord Jesus, to America godliness and holiness and purity. Not not defending special interest groups, Lord, that are contrary to Scripture and contrary to Your Word and that are against the base nature of man. I pray, Lord, for Al Gore, our Vice President, and I ask God that You you be with this man, Lord. I pray, God, for our Congressman, for Newt Gingrich, the Speaker of the House, for Bob Dole, the Majority Leader of the Senate, I'm asking God, do be with Lord Jesus with these people for our Supreme Court Justice in that department. I pray in Jesus' name, let the glory, let the power, let the Spirit of the Holy Ghost come. Move upon America. Jesus, while we're not personally responsible, neither do we endorse abortion, Lord. We ask that you forgive every person, Lord Jesus who has murdered an unborn child. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you forgive America, O God, of all of its pornographic black spots, gambling casinos and such. We go to our knees on the behalf of people, Lord Jesus, that are marching their way to hell. This nation needs Bible salvation, Lord, and we're part of it, God. Oh, Savior, give us a hunger for spiritual things. Give us a move for the glory of God. Oh, God, we pray, Lord Jesus, for Tommy Thompson, our governor, Lord, and I ask God that you be with him. Be, Lord Jesus, with both chambers of our legislative branches here in Wisconsin, Lord, and with our Supreme Court. I pray in Jesus' name, and then I pray for Mayor Soglin. I'm asking God that you be with this man, put a hunger in his heart for righteousness, for holiness, for right living, for godly living. I pray, Lord Jesus, for the residents of Madison, O God. I ask of you, Lord, put a hunger in their hearts, Lord. But Jesus, I pray, O God, let your blessings so rest upon Calvary Gospel Church. Let your anointing so rest upon Calvary Gospel Church that people who even drive down this road, they may feel the presence of Almighty God. May they be invited by the power of the Holy Ghost into the house of the Lord to hear anointed preaching, anointed singing, and lives given holy to you. I pray, God, for the United Pentecostal Church worldwide. Keep your hand upon us, Lord Jesus. Help us to continue to cling to the truth, to love the truth. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name. 
You are a great friend to us, O Lord, you are. O Shandari, Ikomotu Sindiaturi Mikamahato Sakataya. I love you, Lord. I worship you, God. I praise you, God. Oh, Lord, help our priorities to be straight, Lord Jesus. Help us to establish proper goals. Help us to have a plan of action, Lord Jesus, in which discipline is certainly required. I pray in Jesus' name, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.